0: what's going on boys and girls we have a terrific episode of two white lights for today i had on the program 63 kg lifter the powerful piece cameron brown on the program and in my opinion cameron is one of the breakout performers in 2020 in the female division um terrific lifter has rise incredibly through the ranks in only just a year and a half of powerlifting and that's pretty much what we talked about of course i had to get her story on how she started uh into fitness and powerlifting and an interesting story there i think a story that's common in powerlifting someone wanted to prove their body image and powerlifting was a healthy way of doing that uh we also talked about her most recent performance Her steady rise, actually I wouldn't even call it steady, I would call it rapid rise in the 63 kg division and where she puts herself with some of the best. Uh, We talk about her competitiveness, we go into some future plans, some future goals, and we discuss one thing she loves about the powerlifting world, one thing she wants to change about the powerlifting world, and we did that new segment, White Light, Red Light, with her as well. Very fun interview with Cameron, but before we get into the interview, i got to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, visit LeflarBros.com, visit their Instagram page, and make sure you are checking out their merchandise because they have amazing designs for powerlifters, for strength athletes, because it is a company that is founded by a powerlifter, and they design things specifically for the powerlifter and strength athlete. I love their merchandise. Each and every one of their designs has some sort of meaning that relates to powerlifting or strongman, and they are part of this growing community of powerlifting, and I am very happy to be on board for that. So if you guys have some Leflora Bros apparel, if you guys have one of their t-shirts, maybe some of their banners, maybe some of their gym banners, who knows what you guys got, make sure you are tagging them on Instagram and showing that you are supporting Leftflare Bros. And of course, if you are doing that, hopefully use that promo code 2WL10 because you can get 10% off of your order on Leftflare Bros, no matter what you are buying. They have so many awesome designs. I love the recent one that they made. I am a sucker for ancient Greek, ancient Rome looking shirts and they just released one that looks just like that and I love it. And also, they got two white lights banners. So if you go onto their website, use that promo code 2WL10, you can get yourself a 2 white lights banner as well. Hang it in your gym, hang it in your room, hang it on top of the roof of your car. I don't care what you do with it. Just get one. And also, remember, tag them and use that discount code. Also, visit Rivalist.net, use promo code Angelo10 and get 10% off of your Informed Choice Supplements Really important for USAPL lifters. Don't want to get popped for some bad pre-workout, some tainted branching amino acids, whatever excuse powerlifters are coming up with. If you use Us, you won't have to worry about that because we have that green little check mark and it is informed choice. Also, visit lift.net and get yourself some stoic gear. I only wear stoic gear on the platform and in the gym. Only gear that I wear. And they just released their green and white label knee sleeves and wrist wraps. And I have been getting great feedback on the white label products that just released. And I love them. I think they look amazing. And if you use promo code ANGELO10, you can get 10% off of your order on anything stoic. But especially those new color lines. A lot of people have expressed interest in buying them after they see me wear them. Seen other stoic athletes wear them. So use that promo code angela 10 Save yourself some money and look like Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 12 next meet. If you use that white label knee sleeves and wrist straps. I mean that's a look I'm going for. So thank you for Stoic for helping me accomplish that Shawn Michaels look. Also make sure you follow Notorious Lift Slippers. I switch to Notorious Lift Slippers after I stopped deadlifting and squat He was like a numbskull and. No slip grip is a real thing. I love wearing them when I'm deadlifting and now benching, but especially deadlifting. uh, My favorite slipper to wear while I'm deadlifting. Make sure you follow the page because they keep you up to date on when their drops are. It's not like you can go on the website and just buy any of the designs that they had available. You got to wait for those drops. So be sure you're following the page and check out those drops because the designs they have are amazing. If there's so many color schemes that they go with that it's going to hit some sort of style that you like. And you know, I know USAPL lifters get a lot of, you know, hate thrown their way because they try to look extravagant on the platform, but you know what? People like to look good. It happens. That's that's what goes on in powerlifting. You, that's what goes on in life. You like to look good, and that's another reason why I love notorious lift. Not only is it no slip grip, they look amazing. And I love looking good. Also, subscribe on itunes leave a five-star rating leave a review also follow on spotify we are available on both platforms thank you again for everyone who has done that but those subscriptions those follows go a long way in the whole podcasting thing so make sure you're doing that and without further ado here is two white lights got with me via zoom out from virginia not dc the (laughs) powerful peach cameron brown 63 kg lifter how are you
1: i'm good i'm tired but i'm good how are you
0: yeah you have a pretty demanding work schedule i'm not tired i had a full night's sleep It (laughs) it is sunday uh saturday i don't do anything i am off saturday and yeah you have a pretty hectic uh work schedule from our ice-breaking conversation that I had before the show.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not as bad as, like, a true full-time job. Like, I work technically full-time, but it's 35 hours. Mm-hmm. So it's not bad, but it's, like, I'll take 10,000 steps within a seven-hour shift. And then I'll be like, okay, it's time to go train now. And then I'll come home and I'll do school. So it's, like, I'm usually up from about 6 in the morning until 11 or 12 at night, mm-hmm. um, which leaves me, like, six hours of sleep if I go to bed at midnight, which is usually... A little bit easier
0: said than done. Yeah, I always wondered, because I know that uh, coaches, especially me and my coach, we talk about sleep a lot. I wonder if lifters actually get the sleep that they need. I think it's so, it's, everyone says it. Like, hey, you got to get sleep. It's so important for recovery. It's like, yeah, but sometimes you just got to fucking sleep five hours. Like, you just got to do it. And I just wonder what the percentage of power lifters get an actual seven to nine hours of sleep. I'm actually assuming it's very low.
1: Yeah, and like, because most of us, you know, have jobs and school and lives and things that, you know, require a lot of our time outside of powerlifting, mm-hmm. and so it's hard to balance all of it and still also get, like, eight hours of sleep, although I do have friends who get, like, eight to ten hours of sleep every night, and I'm like, I don't know how you do that.
0: Do you know? Because I just... Yeah, what do they do?
1: Um, For a He living. just goes to school and does, like, online work. Okay. But I'm like... Wish
0: that was me. <laughs> yeah, that, that won't be applicable for like most of the powerlifting population because I mean, a lot of it are college students, but a lot of them have professional careers. Now, I could understand like people who do powerlifting for a living, like coaching and all that stuff. Like, yeah, I could see how you can actually manage your sleep time behind that. But how do you do it? Because you're a healthcare professional and you're students, and you have to powerlift and at a very high level. Because I think there is a difference between getting into the gym. This is um, this is an argument I get into with some people. It's the differences between getting into the gym and being healthy, as opposed to powerlifting. When they're like, "Well, you know, I don't have that time to get into the gym." Like, no, I'm telling you to walk for 30 minutes on a fucking treadmill. I'm not telling you to lift, you know, 600 pounds unnecessarily. I actually recommend that you don't do that to a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, don't get into don't get into powerlifting because it's not there's no reason for you to do that. But for a power lifter and someone who's rising in the rankings very fast, how like the, the lifting sessions are going to be long and you have to balance it. So how do you really do it?
1: I kind of approach each day as like a, a step-by-step because uh, I find that if I look at the whole picture, it's really, really easy for me to get overwhelmed. And mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person where if I get overwhelmed, I shut down and I'm just completely useless. So mm-hmm. I've learned that it's like, okay, I wake up, And if I have work that morning, then I'm going to go to work. And I'm not even going to think about training until I'm done working. And my job is literally like just 10 minutes down the road from my gym. So I know that as soon as I finish working, I'm going to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I won't even think about training that day or like what I'm going to hit, what I have on the program, because it's like, why am I going to think about it then and when I'm actually doing it? So, you know, once I clock out, I go to the gym. And I train and it's nice because a lot of my friends are at the gym. So I get like that combo of social hour and training at the same time. So mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm neglecting my like social battery. Um, so like I'll go and I'll do my training and then I'll come home and I'll just like post up at my desk and I'll do all of the school work that I need to get done that day. So I just kind of look at things as like hour blocks of time and what they need to be filled with, and Mm -hmm. then I just take it, like, hour block at a time.
0: Yeah, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to be appreciative that you talked about that, because one of the questions, like, when I do Q&As on Instagram, it's how do you balance professional career and powerlifting? And I'm like, and what you just said is a really well-planned-out approach to doing that and i think it's it, it does boil down to common sense like okay this is what you guys got to do it's you have to allocate your time appropriately yeah. like you have it's just it's something that you have to do and you have to get your priorities straight um, like there was points where i would lift on saturdays and sundays and keep my off days in the middle of the week
2: mm-hmm.
0: just to have that you know to those two days off like during the work week where i could work but on the weekends i'm not doing anything so i could actually work out in the morning, then have the entire day to do whatever it is that I need to do. Like, little strategies like that often make it much more easier than people make it out to be.
1: Yeah, like, so I I train six days a week. So my only off day is on Monday, which is really nice for me because it's like, because Monday is an off day and I have like other priorities that need to get done. Like, so next semester, like I'll have class on Monday and Wednesday and Tuesday and Thursday. So that'll be nice because that means that I can finish any remaining work from the previous week that Monday. Um, because it's like, I only work seven hours. So the other, you know, however many hours of my day that I'm awake, like are free. Mm-hmm. So I can use all of that extra time. Cause I don't have to go train for three hours. And then cause I have a 45 minute commute from my house to the gym and then back so it's an extra hour and a half like not including training time yeah um so you know it's it's nice to have that extra time and freedom to take care of you know administrative loose ends Mm -hmm. um but it's like it's you really have to have that kind of foresight to know like you know training on average takes me this long and schoolwork on average is going to take me about this long and that's something that really only comes from practice and like trial and error you know, I feel like a lot of times I kind of went into the gym with schoolwork and stuff, like especially when I was um, I was in my first undergrad program. Uh, and I had absolutely no idea when I was going to be done, if my homework was going to get done. It's kind of like, you know what, YOLO. And <laughs> that was not always the best way to approach it. Mm-hmm. I ended up like <laughs> one time I had finished at the gym. And um, so I went to Virginia Tech, which is in Blacksburg.
2: Mm-hmm. And so I went to
1: the weight club. And there's a grocery store that's, like, right next to the weight club. So I finished there. I was already late for class, but I was like, homegirl needs some protein. So I went to the grocery store, and I bought a pound package of lunch meat, and I hauled ass to campus, just, like, sat down in this lecture class, pulled out my, like, pound package of lunch meat, and then just, I was late, and I was the lunch meat girl.
0: Yeah, were you the, uh, did you build a reputation of being, like, the weird Girl, like, as far as fitness goes, like, as far as eating choices in college, because that happened to me when I was in college. Like, I was known as the weird eating guy. Like, one guy's sister went to my school, and they're like, Hey, do you know, um, Angelo Fortino? He's a short Italian kid with really long hair. I had longer hair (laughs) then in college, I had like super long hair. And he's like, Yeah, I know him. He's always eating, he's always eating food. And that was like when I was into like bodybuilding and stuff, but like, I was. He's like, yeah, every single time I look at him, he has a banana in his hand, he's got, like, a Tupperware in his hand, he's got, like, a protein shake in his hand, he's got, like, an apple. He's always eating. <laughs> so, did you, so did you funny. build that reputation yourself, like, he's always eating lunch meat?
1: Thankfully, I did not, although I probably should have, because in my head, I gave myself that reputation. I'm like, I'm a lunch meat girl. <laughs> um, no, I think uh, more people were just, like, nobody wanted to talk to me, really, if they weren't my friend, because they'd see me, like, squatting in the gym, and they'd Mm. be, like, like, (laughs) (laughs) so no one ever wanted to talk to me, which was fine, because, like, I'm social to an extent, but if you're a stranger and you come up and start, like, chatting it up with me, I'm gonna look for the easiest escape route.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's probably the best way to do it, especially in the gym (laughs) setting. Um, yeah, so, then, then how did you get your start into fitness? Because, you know, you lifted throughout college, so was there prior uh, fitness history there? And then, you know, how did, how did you segue that into competitive powerlifting?
1: So, I actually am really, really lucky in that I grew up in a really fitness-oriented household. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad did bodybuilding in the 90s. My mom was big on the, like, um, buddy videos. Like, I remember being, like, three or four, sitting in her room and she'd be doing turbo kick or something.
0: Oh, yeah, Um, turbo kick. My mom used to do that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) I love that stuff so much. Um, But, you know, I kind of grew up around it, and there was a point in my life where, like, I – so I played sports a lot growing up. I did soccer mostly. Um, I did dance for a little bit. But, you know, there reached a point where I wasn't doing sports anymore, and – my body had started to reflect the fact that I wasn't doing sports. And I was far too body aware for someone who was, like, 11. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I was like, you know, I'm going to start working out. So I did the P90X videos for a while because I just wanted abs. I feel like that's something that a lot of girls can relate to. is like, not caring anything about anything else but abs.
0: I, I would say guys to an extent. There's a need for guys to be big. But then, like, they really, like, a lot of guys that I talked to in powerlifting still are like, man, I just want a six-pack.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's this, like, desire for abs. And I think I was, like, 12 at the time. And I was like, I'm going to do Ab Ripper every day until I get abs. Yeah. So that was my game plan. And, you know, I eventually gave up on it. I I started to get, like, the shadow of a hint of abs. And I gave up on it because I was like, whatever, screw this. This is stupid. Um, and then I started to like, I had a really, really bad relationship with food for a while. Like I'd come home from school and I'd literally just sit down and like eat for like two hours, Mm. like straight, just whatever I could throw in my mouth. Like I didn't even care what it was. Um, so I ended up putting on like 30 pounds, like I think it was in eighth grade and that made me feel like shit. Cause like I have older siblings, so I'm the youngest. So I have an oldest sister. And, you know, she was in high school at the time, so all of her friends would be talking about all of, like, body things that, you know, older girls talk about. So I was exposed to that, too, because social media wasn't that big, you know, when I was in, like, eighth grade. And I was like, you know what? Like, I can't look like this anymore, blah, 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 blah. So then I started doing uh, Pop Pilates by, like, Cassie Ho. I don't know if you know who that is. Um, Yeah. So she does, like, online Pilates videos. So I did those for a while. It was kind yeah, it was, it was mostly bodyweight exercises, and, you know, it was what it was. But, you know, long story short, I started weight training when I was, I think, in, it was a summer between 10th grade and 11th grade, and I posted videos on my story just, like, last night about my first attempt at, like, the various lifts. Um, so I was not good Strong in any way, shape, or form. I was just kind of like doing shit. I would like Google it. I'd be like, "What is a deadlift?" (laughs) And then I'd go off of a like infographic. I wouldn't even watch a video. I was too lazy to watch a video. I'd look at the infographic and be like, "How can I make myself look like this photo?" And if anybody's ever googled "form" for things, then you know that that's not always a a good good example. Um, so I had sort of like an on and off relationship with the gym at that point on, um, and then. It was about, gosh, I wanted to be a fitness girl when I got to college so bad. Like, gym shark kind of fitness girl, like, mm-hmm. Nikki B kind of shit. And my relationship with the gym just, like, deteriorated. Because it stopped being about, like, looking strong. And it started being about looking like I had a certain aesthetic. Yeah. And it just became very, like... Toxic for me because my freshman year I was a party girl extraordinaire, and you know, my life was pretty much class, partying, and then like the gym whenever I'd go. Like, I remember I went to the gym once, still drunk from the night before. Yeah, that's ever a good
0: feeling. Yeah, that's ever a good feeling.
1: Yeah, I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing right now, but like, I felt this very, very strong commitment to it, um, and that summer is when I actually maxed my squat for the first time I think my first ever like max squat was 205 Mm -hmm. 205 and one of my friends like convinced me to do it he was like do it bitch and I was like I don't want to max what if I get hurt (laughs) and he was like do it bitch so it was ugly but it happened and you know like I attribute honestly me kind of starting a lot of this to him because he was the one who kind of pushed me in that direction,
0: called you a bitch, and then you squatted, that's usually how it works, that's that's, that's how, that's usually the start of most people's powerlifting career, either get called a pussy or a bitch, and then you just, like, uh, you start lifting heavy, really, technically, the first powerlifting competition was my friend pushing me to do it, he was like, fucking do it with me, he's like, you're strong, you'll do well, I'm like, I don't know, he's like, dude, quit being a puss, I'm like, alright, and then I did it, (laughs) and I did well, it was fun, it was awesome, and now I have a podcast, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it worked. I have a podcast about powerlifting now. So thanks, man. Thanks, Adam. You're the best.
1: Real friends bully you. Um, But yeah, so my sophomore year of college, I actually, um, and like this is something that I feel like a lot of people don't really want to talk about. I'm not super shy about it. Like, am I proud of it? No. But is it something that I went through? Yes. Um, I developed an eating disorder that was based around laxatives. And Mm -hmm. it was like I'd eat something and then if I felt like shit about it. Like, I would take the laxative and be like, oh, it's going to get out of my system. Like, it's not going to affect me. I'm fine. Which is obviously a terrible idea. Yeah. Like, obviously, that is so, 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 so bad. And it just created this endless cycle of discomfort that mm-hmm. I felt physically all the time towards, like, moving was painful. Like, I could not do anything just because I, I felt so much internal pain. And, you know, I, I knew I hit rock bottom. I knew that this was rock bottom when I actually had to go in to get a colonoscopy so they could make sure that I did not, like, fuck up my intestines. Mm. And I was like, this is rock bottom. This is it. (laughs) Good job, Cameron. Like, strong high five. Um, And that was over winter break. And I remember sitting at home afterwards on Instagram, and I came across one of Meg Squat's posts. And it was a picture of her, like, sitting down, leaning against a window or something. She had, like, a sports bra and a pair of shorts. And I remember seeing that photo and I was like, this girl has a body like mine, which you don't typically see in the Gymshark narrative. They've gotten a lot better about it now. But back then, you know, it was very, you what you saw was what you got. Yeah. Um, And so I remember just being absolutely like, shook. I was like, what does she do?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What, do what? 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 <laughs> so I went to her page and, you know, I saw that she was a YouTuber. So I started watching her YouTube videos and she had one it was about like new year's resolutions so this is 2019 so it's last year she had one about new year's resolutions and uh one of them she was like oh if you're a powerlifter, like you should try to qualify for raw nationals like that would be a good resolution for you to have and i was like i don't even know what powerlifting is but i'm gonna do it <laughs> so i accidentally signed up for usa weightlifting the first time and okay. then i was like that's if- incorrect
0: that's actually a, that's actually a pretty honest mistake when you really think about it. Like, yeah, I'm lifting weights. I could do yeah. weight. I could do U- USA weightlifting.
1: And then I realized my mistake, and I called them and asked for my money back. And then they wouldn't give me my money back. So then I disputed the charge. <laughs> I said, give my money
0: back. <laughs> that, that would have been such a rude awakening if you showed up. Oh man, that would have been so bad if, if you you're in the warm-up imagine. room and seeing like, what the fuck are these people doing? Where's the bench rack? It's like, these people are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, these guys these 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 guys and gals warm up like dumbasses for powerlifting. Why are they lifting the weight over their head? What the fuck is wrong with them? Yeah.
1: I I remember talking to a friend, and I was like, yeah, I just sign up for you to say weightlifting? Like, <laughs> I'm so excited. And he was like, Cameron. I said, what? He's like, so that's not what you want. I
2: said, what do you mean?
1: So... Then I signed up for USAPL. Um, I had some weight class confusion in the beginning too because I can't fucking do math. Mm. Uh, I was like, I was like, oh, so like, if I'm under sixty three kilos but heavier than fifty seven, then i would be a fifty seven, right? No, <laughs> inverse it goes the opposite yeah. way. So yeah, then I started, So it was February, I think, that I started. February twenty nineteen, that I officially started like powerlifting training exclusively, and I had my first meet in May. Of that year, which was VA states, I don't even remember my total, <laughs> but I know that I've added about a hundred ish kilos on my total since then.
0: Yep, and and what was that you said?
1: May of twenty nineteen, so about a year oh, and a
0: half ago. Wow, year and a half. All right, so you know, I guess we'll get into maybe your like rapid rise in the ranks uh, shortly, because but, but I don't want to do that now because I wanted to kind of trace back your your story into getting into fitness. And you said something interesting there. It's like where people don't want to talk about maybe an unhealthy relationship with food into their fitness. And it's interesting because so many people follow the same routes. Like when I've had uh, Serena Abwe on the show, uh, Daniela Mello, and they said the same thing. And those are two extremely, you know, high performing power lifters that you have. And then a lot of people who do listen to this show who are females follow the same routes and it's more common than i think people think i think because you had like um health classes as a kid like you would see those videos and they would make i'm not hmm, i got to uh choose my words very wisely here because i could say something really stupid but they would make you know eating disorders seem like a heroin addiction that's yeah. like something that's impossible to get rid of and make it seem like you will die If you – because, I mean, I remember watching the video, like, the the little, like, after-school special on eating disorders when I was in health Mm -hmm. class. And it really looked terrible. I'm like, holy fuck. I'm scared even though I think it's mostly for the females in this class. I don't think it's mostly targeted towards the guys. Like, this extremely dangerous situation of having an eating disorder when people, I think, a lot of people go through it more commonly than a drug addiction. And then, yeah. a, 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 or even an alcohol problem. I think more people go through an eating disorder phase, especially at that stage, and they find themselves out of it. And a lot of people look to fitness towards it. And I think your journey is very similar to a lot of females, where it's an interesting thing because I think all of us, even males, when we get into the sport, our first love or our first interest was looking better and it uh-huh. was wanting to be the fitness person. Cuz I know I was. Like when I first started powerlifting or when I first started in fitness, it was all about bodybuilding. It was all yeah. about like, you know, you know going on bodybuilding.com forums, being like pretty impressed with people's physiques, trying to get your physique somewhat like that and, you know, using heavy lifting as a form to get that proper body image that you want. Um, and I think in the journey, I don't know where it happens, But you found Meg Squats, which I say she's like the Russ Orhe of female powerlifting. Her and Daniela Mello. I would put Daniela Mello and her as like the Russ Orhees of that because I think a lot of people look up to her in the same way a lot of guys look up to Russ and have that fan base of like they don't even care that it's powerlifting. They just like that person. So you found that person. I don't know where the connect was for me where I'm like, okay, I'm going to start venturing out from looking better. As opposed to getting into competitive powerlifting. But it happened. And I remember my body image got much better. Like, yeah. after I started powerlifting, I, like, looked at myself in the mirror. I'm like, I fucking look... And I started to stop caring. I stopped caring how I looked. because I'm like, it's all about my my total now. It's all about improving my numbers. But I looked in the mirror. And, I'm like, I fucking look good. I think I look great right now. And I think my confidence improved, too, from that as well. Because it was just, like, I just got up in the morning. Didn't look at myself in the mirror for, like, 15 minutes. It was, like yep yep good job angelo you're looking great today like you can go to work now <laughs>
1: yeah and like i noticed the same thing and it's it's so bizarre because i know that when i first started powerlifting, it was i was drawn in on that look like meg looked like me i was like okay so like my aesthetic is acceptable in this community and that was one of the things that drew me into it and also like i had had my friend who pushed me to max my squat, you know, Mm -hmm. half of a year prior. And I was like, okay, well, like I'm, I'm strong ish. Probably. I can probably do this. I don't see any reason. Um, and I was, I was very, very body concerned for a while. Um, and there reached a point, it was after my first meet. So I had brought myself like actually physically down to like 61 keys before my first meet. Because I was like, oh, I'm going to dye it down. Like, I don't want a water cup, blah, blah, blah. And then I kind of just overdid it by a lot. Mm-hmm. So I looked Com- shredded as shit. Yeah, common mistake like, people make. I, I was peeled. <laughs> Ain't never been that peeled in my life. Um, And, you know, I was I was really, really worried about, I was like, oh, one day I'm going to step on the scale and I'm going to be over 63. And then that day happened. The day went. I now chill at, like, 66 keys, usually. Mm-hmm. Which is fine, because it's like... Yeah, it's a three kilo water cut that I've done. That's now.
0: a that's a great position to be in. The sixty six keys when you compete at sixty three. That's people you really can't ask for much better than that.
1: Yeah, I'm like I'm comfortable like this. I look at my body. Am I super super shredded? No, but I feel like I look like an HVAC unit, and that's even better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it look like you can hit me and I wouldn't fall over. So to me, that's a win.
0: Yeah, it's, it, it is an interesting thing where I think this does happen, I think, a little bit more with female powerlifters. I think males are hesitant to admit it. But I think it does happen more with female powerlifters where they get this body who it – it's a very feminine body still. You know what I mean? Where yeah. it, you don't have to be shredded. But they are comfortable with the way they look and they actually are happy with weight gain. As opposed yeah. to the alternative, which was um, – which uh, this is, uh, like, a Lane Norton video that I watched really early into my, you know, fitness career was – he's like, the reason why you see females get a little bit worse after, like, a prep or, like, um, you know, a bodybuilding contest or a figure competition is, like, they just don't want to put on as much size. Where guys are like, yeah, let's put on size. You can just say I'm bulking. You know, you put fat on your body, and then you look still more fit than the average guy – where there's still a stigma of being a somewhat heavier female
1: yeah Um, and not like in
0: powerlifting it's like it's it's really embraced that look
1: yeah yeah and it's one of the difficult things too is being on social media um you know you're out there for the whole world to have their opinions on what you're doing i know that you definitely get this a lot yeah but it's like People have something to say. Whether you're wearing a mask, whether they don't like your shoes, whether they're pissed that you're arching, like whatever. People mm-hmm. have opinions, and um, you know, one of those things is like, I'm really, really proud of my physique, and I'm gonna post photos like that because they make me happy. People are like, "Oh, you want the attention?" I'm like, "Anybody posts anything on social media because they want attention?" Next question. Like, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's a dumb. One. Yeah,
0: that's uh, that's kind of a dumb one. Is like, yep, we're we're all on social media too. We wouldn't have social medias.
1: Yeah, I'm like, Dennis, I just keep all this shit to myself. Like, (laughs) what do you mean? That's for attention. But no, and it's like people comment things all the time about, you know, like my body or whatever. And like, usually they are positive, but exceptionally creepy, exceptionally creepy. Like you're going to catch a block for that one. Yep. Um, But sometimes they're really mean. Like people will call you like a fat cow. They'll tell you like a man. Uh, Sometimes I get vomiting emojis and i'm like this is really nice thank you guys so much i'm yeah. so glad that you took time out of your day to
0: do this for me yeah and then and the weird thing is that's like the uh that's like the trolls version of thinking that they're hitting on you it's like oh yeah. i'm going to send um a vomiting emoji and see if uh that gets me any sort of leeway into the dms like i think powerlifting guys especially not understanding how to speak to women is something that uh they need to work on like <laughs> I, I, when, uh, when I, I'm, I'm, I'm positive that from the ages of nineteen to twenty-three, if you are a powerlifter, you just have no idea how to speak to women in any regards, and you just say some dumb shit on social media that you're probably gonna regret when you're like twenty-eight. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I, I honestly, I also feel like that's, like, the general population of men, but...
0: <laughs> I yeah, I guess. I, I'm probably just grouping all men into the thing and just saying powerlifting guys, but I guess I only associate myself now with powerlifters. Like, if I'm going out to yeah. a bar, if I'm going out anywhere, it's with my powerlifting friends now. Um, then and my girlfriend. Yeah. Like, and then now, and then she gets grouped in, too, with my, like, yeah, my only friends are powerlifters, so, sorry, babe, you're gonna have to listen to me and my friends talk about the USAPL and squat bench and deadlift for yep. a solid 45 minutes. We might talk about something else at a point, but that's primarily what our conversation is going to be. So.
1: I forget how gibberish it sounds to people who don't have this knowledge, but I remember I didn't even know what the IPF was until I think that my first meet is when I learned what the IPF was. Yeah, I had zero idea about Worlds. I didn't know about the Arnold, like, any of that stuff it was all just it was gone to me. And a lot of like a lot of people would come up to me and, you know, try and talk about, you know, powerlifting drama and like name drop all these people. I'm like, bro, I don't know how to tell you that I don't know who this is. Yeah.
0: I mean, I had the podcast and I still had to learn who people were. Like, even with me creating the podcast. Like it's it yeah. is it does take a while to learn because it was for me, especially with like different federations. I, I was so pretty if you listen to some of the early episodes of uh, Two White Lights, like you can see that I just kinda don't know what I'm talking about. As regards to like certain power lifters and and it wasn't like I was trying to pretend I would just literally say, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about right now. Um yeah. But yeah, well, you know what? Let's uh let's talk about, you know, USAP on IPF. Because currently there Watching your lifting videos, there was an an acknowledgement that you were extremely strong. And now, you've actually put the number on the platform, which this can happen to certain people where they have these great gym lifts, and but then when competition rolls around, you don't have a great competition, then it's like, okay, are they a gym lifter, are they an IG lifter, or are they an actual competitor? I think your most recent meet performance shows that you are a legit competitor in the 63kg weight class and in just in all of USAPL because we released those power rankings and really, that last five spot was kind of, you know... Jumbled up to you and Marissa Inda. Marissa Inda got the, the that fifth spot because she competed all the way in March and she has all those accolades. That she got that fifth spot because she's proven time and time again that she's one of the best lifters in the world. But leaving you off that list for me was a debate because, like, it was a great performance. It was super. If you're talking about power rankings, you're trending in a really positive direction right now as far as rankings go, and keeping you off that list it's like it was hard because like i could see you getting into that top 5 spots with another competition or another a, a few good preps here and there so how how does that feel like actually one getting your gym list onto the platform and kind of you know proving yourself that you are a legit you know top 10 type lifter and just that super quick rise in ranks because you said you've only been competing for a year and a half and now you know, there's conversations of you being in the same ballpark as, you know, uh, Leah Bavla and, you know, Kalora Gara uh, and uh, Sam Calhoun. <laughs>
1: um, so I approach training as a I'm going to compete. You know, to me, it's like if Instagram has to watch me squat like 367 instead of 402, they can suck a fat one. Like, that's what you get. Yeah. And people will be like, oh, go squat. Good job. So people don't really give a shit.
0: Well, yeah, well, I mean, that's actually mat- – so you're inadvertently being super mature about your training because one of the toxic things – it's like it's drinking ra- – it, or it's drinking poison when I see this is – God, I've seen so many lifters do that. Um, not, not too many females, but there are some guilty of, okay, you you posted this amazing squat. Now you think that you need to squat something close to that in order to get the attention that you want or need to get that clout that people desire so badly in the sport, and they start losing the big picture of actually putting in a good total. Like, yeah. Like, you, like, me posting my close grip bench that no one gives a shit about, it's like, yeah, it's my training log, guys. Like, this is it. This, like, this is for me to, like, go back on to, like, see where I'm at last prep. Like, this is the only reason why I'm posting it. And I think people st- really... For those listening who try to get clout, people actually do appreciate you posting a regular workout. Like like you hitting a sub-max, you know, RP6 squat. People are like, you know, that's this is what you have to do in order to get better. Um, yeah, that's a that's a mature thing to do with, I think, a lot of young lifters, especially who aren't seasoned in the sport, fall guilty of. Yeah, and I kind of
1: want to go back to that in a second, but I'm going to answer this first question before we forget. Um, yeah, it's... It's interesting to me because in my head, like when I sign up for a meet, that meet is God, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, it's this date that I'm constantly counting down to and everything in my life revolves around it. School work, everything takes a back seat, like meet day is priority, um, which I've, I've been very, very lucky in that I've, I've had the freedom to accommodate that mindset. Um, but it's also something that I refuse to not accommodate. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that a lot of people, you know, don't quite realize is that you're not 100% a victim of your circumstance. Like you have more control, I think, than a lot of people think that they do. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, you know, everything is, you know, I'm trying to get my nutrition right. I'm trying to get, cause I like to water cut from 65 kilos, which means that I drop a key at some point. Yeah. So it's like me trying to get down to 65, you know, making sure I'm eating right, eating at the right time, drinking water, you know, all that good fun stuff. Um, and because I I say this to friends all the time because it's so hard. I didn't PR my squat. I I put two and a half kilos on my squat from October to March. And then I just put 17 and a half keys on it from March to November. And it was so hard because I hit this streak after not PRing pretty much anything for a really long time. I hit this streak where I just does everything. I PRed all three lifts in one week and it was like I was a runaway train. And there would be weeks where, you know, a squat would move like stupid fast and, you know, my friends would be like, go up, you should go up. And I'd be like, as much as I want to, as much as I would love to do that. I cannot justify, like, fucking my RPE to go up for some clout lift if it's not going to translate onto the platform.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I'm
1: like, I care about that total way more than I care about the number of likes I get on some shit. I'm like, look, if I'm really desperate for likes, like, I'll, like there, there's other content that I can post that's not a super exciting squat, you know? Uh, does it make my my heart and ego feel absolutely delicious when I do something <laughs> super rad? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But is it worth it if it doesn't translate where it needs to? No. But in terms of rising through the rankings, it's to me that I I don't even I can't even conceptualize it. Like hmm. it's really difficult for me to wrap my head around because in my head, like I'm just me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, well, uh, let me. So- uh, yeah, let me ask you this then. Like, as far as. Um, just uh, your competitiveness, rate that on like from a one to 10, because it, it is a new experience for you. And I think I did talk to Jesus about this. I know you're, uh, you're, you're friends with, uh, Megatron, a uh, really good friend of mine too. Love you, Jesus. But he posted like, you know, when King of Lifts said their things with the top 63s in the world, who would it be? Kalora, uh, Leah and, um, Sam. I'm like, all right, Jesus, I think you got to pump your brakes a little bit on cam. I think he's excellent rising through the ranks, but... Not quite at that point, but is there a competitive edge that you have? Like, okay, I want to beat these fucking people at a point. Like, because when you say, you know, you got into powerlifting for more of a positive body image and doing things as you want to do it, now you're thrown into this ultra-competitive atmosphere. And mm-hmm. like, do you feel any of that? Is it something that you're just not aware of that they? Is it something you don't even care about at this point?
1: It's something I definitely do care about. Um, so there's another 63 junior that I was very, very eager to out total um, because she took the first at nationals last year as junior, and who, what, who I was like, it? you know what? Huh? Who, who is it? Jordan.
0: Oh, Pantone. Okay, yeah, I yeah, competed yeah, yeah. with her recently.
1: Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to out total her. Like, this is something that I need to do for me because she's a killer deadlift. Like her deadlift is insane. Mm -hmm. But I was like, my squat and bench, you know, allow me to be in a position where I can out total her. I was like, I need to follow through on that. Yeah. So that was to me, like the biggest motivating factor. I was like, just get a higher total, just get a higher total. Um, so I kind of like set small goals for myself and I'm like, let me just get over this hurdle first. And then I'll like, look at the next hurdle and then get over that hurdle and go on. And like, I personally, like, I know that hopefully one day I'll be up there with them, but right now, like, I don't, I don't see myself as that elite and so when jesus said that i was like i don't deserve this hype right now like i don't know what this is because of my friends that are commenting it on the post too i'm like guys you gotta stop you gotta stop this
0: well yeah like that's Um, when i saw that i'm like because this occasionally happens like you know when people are like man you're a real contender towards russ i'm like hey man no i'm fucking not like that's (laughs) like i remember somebody commented on one of my posts like dude russ has got some competition i'm like in the sense that he will technically be competing against me, yes, he technically has competition. But I'm like, don't start saying, like, dude, you could beat Russ. Like, no, he – like, I, I, I'm glad you guys are confident in my abilities. But, no, we're, we're far off. Like, my – if we total over 800 kilos, like, to put it in perspective, it would be an awesome day. That's our goal. I would be super happy. And I know Russ can total – 20 kilos more than that on a really bad day, like on a bad yeah. day. So it's like, but at the same time, there's a competitiveness. Like, yeah, of course I want to beat this fucking guy at a points, but let's not, let's not you know get all high on piss and vinegar right now and you know start no. doing some dumb shit because I've seen it happen, especially in the 74 kg weight class. The, I was thinking it. I was the was weight class it. I love to make fun of more. Than, I love making fun of two things in my life. 74 kgs and anime lovers i will make fun i that's pretty much you know ostracizing me from the USAPL. but i love doing it more than anything and i've seen it before in the 74 kg weight class where you're not you're not there yet you are not perkins you're not atwood but people try to move the same weights and match their same lifts it's like no you're not there give it two years you might be there but right now you're currently not and you're fucking up your training trying to be those guys
1: yeah yeah no I 100% agree and it's like to me I respect them like the other 63s like I respect them so much as women as competitors it's like people that I hope to one day compete against and it's like I'm not gonna shit all over their parade when I don't have any sort of accolades in which to do so it's like shitting without a toilet you yeah. know it's like <laughs> for what <laughs> not gonna I'm not gonna do that because I respect them they are exceptionally strong women and I hope to one day you know be at that category but you know to me I'm always just going to be me and I'm never I made a post about this after I meet because I had some feelings about certain 74s um where I was like don't talk shit if you're not gonna actually do anything about it because then you just look (laughs) silly
0: Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I guess the the, the whole, I mean, if we want to be talking about another, uh, like a whole other topic, the trash talking aspect of powerlifting, I think there's a room for it and I think it's, it could be good, it could be healthy for the sport as in, you know, that competitive, I'm all about competition. I'm all about having a healthy competitive spirit and trash talking, you know, is one way to show that. That's where it's comparable to other sports, but... Mm-hmm it's, you have to really, you have to really lean into it as much as humanly possible when you put yourself out there that much. So, yeah, and like, it could blow up in people's face, and it has blown up in people's faces, you know, recently, because, you know, that's, that's the persona you put on. Like, sorry, sorry to tell it to you, but that's how it is. You have to, you have to, it, when you live by the sword, you got to die by the sword. So,
2: yeah,
0: and I think, and I think you can still be super competitive in that sense where you don't have to, you know, talk a bunch of shit and put yourself out there. Um, but yeah. I, I still think that, I mean, even you setting yourself with, like, okay, I want to compete against Jordan and I want to out-total her, that's really healthy competitive spirit. You know what I mean? That's really healthy competition standpoint. So, and so on a scale of 1 to 10, how competitive are you?
1: I'd say probably a 9. Like, okay. If you look at me and you're like, I bet I could, I don't know if this is going to be so stupid because I can't think of a good example. I can put more coins in you in 30 seconds and be like, no, the fat fuck you can't. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be like, all right, let's go. Right now, we're going to settle this right now. Because to me, it's like, I want to win. I want to win so bad. So bad. Mm -hmm. But again, it's like, I'm not going to say something if I can't put my money where my mouth is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's totally appropriate. And I think, yeah, and uh, I think a lot of lifters are guilty of, of that. So I think right now the, the trend is going in the right direction for you. Um, any meets you have planned out in the future as far as, like, just, you know, progressing that? I know it's right now saying you're going to do a meet is pretty hard to do. Because you actually yeah. competed in, so I saw Midwest Primetime might be the most important meet of 2020. And in a sense, it was an extremely important meet, because I think it could be something that other meet directors can emulate. But the one that you did at the shop, that mm-hmm. meet was the best meet of 2020, um, simply due to the fact that you have so many high-level lifters competing, and it might be the last great competition we see until COVID restrictions are once again lifted. Because it lo- yeah. the f- the next few months look like they're not going to be great as far as like meets go and even just training-wise, um, you know, just uh, as far as, like, restrictions of what you can and can't do. But you competed in that last great meet, in my opinion. So, moving on, is there, like, a competition or something that you're looking at as far as the season goes? Like, what you want to compete in next?
1: Ideally, I think if the Arnold ends up happening, um, that's going to be probably what's next for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think that they're looking at rescheduling it, uh, later well, than March.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I
1: they, heard whispers it, of June.
0: So, they are definitely rescheduling the Arnold. It is not happening in the same March date that they have. Um, June looks to be a go. Yeah. So, speculation is June. That I don't know if that's 100% confirmed, but the confirmed thing, there's no way it's happening in March.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, and it's, like, that's probably what's going to be next for me, and I don't want to be presumptuous in any way, shape, or form as to, you know, if I'd make the Worlds team or if Worlds is going to happen, okay. but, like, that would hopefully, like, if I lived in a perfect world and got everything I wanted, which never actually happens, you know, that would be at some point for me next year as well. Mm-hmm. But again, that's in a COVID-free world and a perfect world where I get all the things that I want and nobody out-totals.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, well, if you look at... I would have to check... To, I mean, right now, I don't know how they're going to do the rankings as far as the Arnold goes. Because mm-hmm. from my understanding, they might use the Arnold as a way to get world qualifiers. Yeah. And you would be in the top 10 for 63 as it stands now. and I, And I'm pretty confident you would be in the 63 top 10 by June. Like yeah. I I'm, I'm fairly confident about that. So that's goal is well within reach as far as you qualifying for an IPF world spot as a junior. Um mm-hmm. because uh, oh, how old are you? 21. 21. Yeah, so you have plenty of, you know, junior years ahead of you. So I think that's an extremely appropriate goal and on top of that it's it's only been a year and a half.
1: Yeah. I like to set like attainable goals for myself because it's like if I, you know, set an attainable goal and I hit it, and then I set another attainable goal. It's like I always have to remind myself because I'm very impatient by nature. So sometimes powerlifting is not always the the easiest answer to that part of my impulse. Um, and I have to remind myself all the time. I'm like, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. I'm like so many of the elite 63s are like late 20s, early 30s, like I'm younger than them by like upwards of seven years. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, if I'm doing this seven years down the road, the likelihood that I will be at that level seven years down the road, I'd say, you know, if I continue my trajectory, you know, I just have to be consistent with myself Mm -hmm. and patient and give myself the time and the grace to, you know, if I have a bad day, I'm a very, very emotional person, which isn't always the greatest thing for social media or for lifting or for life. Um, So it's taken a lot of practice for me to accept the fact that like, I do have bad days. Like I'm not perfect. I fuck up probably more frequently than I don't fuck up. And, you know, seeing it as a, as a learning opportunity instead of something to like feel guilty about Mm -hmm. is, is a, is a big thing for me because I've ended up, I think, setting a lot of mental goals that have made me a better person as opposed to like physical total goals that have made me like physically stronger. And like Joey and I talk about this sometimes where it's like mental gains.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, because like, because I am a very, very sensitive person. I'm very emotionally inclined. Like I'm very prone to anxiety, all these sorts of things. And so whenever I'm, you know, in a mood or whatever and I'm able to talk myself out of it when previously I hadn't been able to do so, Like, that's really, really good for me. I've gotten better opening up to people, like, the people I train with. Okay, so I think it was two weeks out from this meet. So, like, this is something I recently, like, I I deal with this all the fucking time. But, like, two weeks out from my meet, I think I had, like, a really shitty squat single. And I was, like, I'm fucked. There's no way 402 is going to hit the platform. Like, I don't know what's going on. I feel like doo-doo garbage. And, like, I, I brought one of my friends to the back with me, and I just, like, sat there, and I cried, and I, like, talked to him about it, and he was like, you can't do this to yourself. He's like, you're going to kill yourself twice. He's like, bad days happen. You hit your RPE. It wasn't the weight you wanted, but you hit the RPE, so just move on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's like, being able to open myself up to people like that and have close friendships with people who know how to talk me down that I've, like, met through the gym, who understand me as a person and as a lifter is, like, Something that's been irreplaceable to me, and I feel like it's made my life a lot better. And I feel like it's made me a better person. Like it, that's part of the reason why I want to try, is because even on the days that I don't, I'll roll through, and they'll be like, "Hey, what's popping And I'm like, "I really don't want to be here right now." And they're like, "Shut the fuck up, do it anyways."
0: Yeah, and that's um that that is something that's more common than people think in the sport as shaking off those bad days. It's still like um it's something for me too, like. Working with uh, my current coach was uh, Joe Stanick, That was one thing that I think we had to improve on because I I remember, you know, up to the Arnold, I missed 738 on my deadlift on grip. And I was pissed off about it. And I'm like, well, I mean, if I can't hit 738 three weeks out from the Arnold, how the fuck am I going to hit 750? Like, it, yeah. like, does it work? And apparently it does work that way where you can do that, that you can, yeah. in, that you can, in fact, do that. I didn't know that, but like, it was one of those things where my coach had to tell me like, dude, this happens. You miss lifts in the gym occasionally. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's like, I think we're trending in the right direction right now. Today was, might've been overshoot. It was an RP nine. So it's like the way it moved. I wouldn't say that, you know, a 733 wouldn't be an RP nine you know so it's like Uh it's it's good we're fine we're fine and that was something like he had to tell me and it was something that i thought i was good at but really it never happened to me so i wasn't Uh good at it it was like like you know when you think you're good at something but then like oh yeah i'm pretty composed and then something bad happens and you find out that you're not really as composed as you thought um that's what happened to me but i think it's an important part of training that people of neglect. It's totally okay to be op- upset with a poor training day. That's what. Yeah. That's probably a normal reaction to things like that. Will force you to get better and stay in, quote unquote, the pocket. Um, some uh, a cliche that powerlifters like to use, but it's now part of our vernacular that we have to use it. But yeah, staying in the pocket is going to be important. So.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I'm just really, really thankful for the relationships that I've built out of the gym because it's like. I grew up feeling pretty much like an outcast my whole life. Um, It's like I'd have, I was like a floater. Like I'd have groups of friends kind of, but I wasn't the kind of person who got invited to their outings. Yeah. So I never really had like a group of people and powerlifting both like when I, when I was school and now that I'm back at home, you know, It's, I've had communities in both places to where it's like, I'm seen as part of the group. Like I get invited to things, people confide in me and like Mm -hmm. want me to confide in them. And that's something that I've never had before, which I think is another reason why I feel particularly connected to powerlifting is because it's given me a lot of like social and emotional support in some roundabout way that I haven't had in my life in any way, shape or form prior
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. So then what would be the thing that you love about powerlifting the most? Because we'll get into the negativity later. Um, Two White Lights is a pro-negativity podcast. But um, <laughs> but, uh, but so would that be an aspect of powerlifting that you love the most or is there something else? Because that's always been a very good one for me, at least, is that community.
1: Yeah, definitely community is, is a big, 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 big part of it. And it's just it's given me something to identify myself as and like with that is something that people can't take away from me. Ugh. Um, you know, there have been times in my life where I've felt exceptionally lost. Like I didn't have anything going on for me. Like during quarantine. So I graduated with a bachelor's degree in history because I at one point in time wanted to go to law school. Did that end up happening? No, because I started studying for the LSAT and I was like, this is horrible. Like I could never imagine myself actually doing this. And like I loved, I loved my degree program. I specialized in Russian history. I wrote a bachelor's thesis on, you know, usage of Russian media in American uh, like film and how that was indicative of socio-political norms at the time of production. Like I love really niche stuff like that. I think mm-hmm. it's super neat. But when I was I was reaching the point of graduation, I was like, I don't feel any sort of connection to my degree. Like. I don't know what I want to do I don't feel particularly called to do anything and I was in a relationship at the time that was really not good for me Mm -hmm. um it was just emotionally neglectful more than anything else and it was like not only was I feeling like I was approaching the void very quickly with a degree that I didn't know what I was going to do with and you know I was also with somebody that I felt like I was giving a lot out of myself and getting nothing back. So I just felt very, very vacant and very empty. But one thing that I always knew, I was like, the one thing that I have to do today is I have to go train. Mm -hmm. That is like the one thing that has to get done today. And so it's been a way to sort of keep me moving. And, you know, it's something that people can't take away from me. Like when that relationship ended, I had a squat single the next day and I remember I messaged Joey and I was like, look, like we just broke up. I'm really not feeling it. Like, I don't know if it's going to like, I don't know if I'm going to have it in me tomorrow to like go in and do this. And I remember laying in bed and I was kind of thinking to myself, I was like, are you really going to let this external factor take away from you? The one thing that you define yourself by. And one thing that matters a lot to you, like, are you going to let this derail you? And I decided in that moment that I wasn't going to let that happen. So I went into the gym anyways, because it's like, no matter what's going on in my life, that's the one constant thing I have that I do for me. Like I do this for very selfish reasons. I like being strong. I like the way it makes my body feel. And, you know, to a certain extent, you know, although I'm not as aesthetics focused as I used to be, I really, really enjoy the way I look. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to give anybody, not a single solitary person, even myself, the satisfaction of knowing that they derailed me even for a fraction of a second. Like, there's a time and a place to take time off. Like, I fucked up my back in April. Uh, I can normally put the entirety of my hand underneath my feet. I couldn't get halfway down my shins. Mm. I was going, I was squatting, I was on my way up, something popped, I went down. And I was scared as shit. And, you know, that was a time for me to step back. But when things are going on in my life, that aren't, like, exceptionally devastating, I'm like, I'm not going to let the circumstance of my situation right now derail me from the one thing that I care about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, that's, like, my biggest love for it, is the way that it it, it has taught me a lot of self-respect, I think, towards, like, my time is really, really precious, it's something that I place a lot of value in, so... I care a lot about people. Um, I'm an Enneagram type too. I don't know if you're familiar with those, um, but it basically means, so they're known as like the pleasers. Mm-hmm. So I'm the kind of person who, for the people that I really, really care about, like hell nor high water would stop me from doing whatever I needed to do to make that person happy. And that still continues to be true, but it's just, I'm very, very significantly limited the pool of people that fall into that category To where it's like, I used to be the kind of person where I'd be friends with like a hundred people and they'd all need me to do a million different things and there'd be nothing left for me. And, you know, with powerlifting and and needing to be, at least in some degree, emotionally and physically on point, Mm -hmm. it's like I've had to put a hard stop on that to where it's like, there are, you know, 10 people in this world that I really wholly give a shit about, like would walk into a burning fire and firemen carry them out of their kind of care about. And for those people, like, I will stop what I'm doing. I will drive halfway across the state and go pick your ass up if you've broken down on the side of the road. I don't care if I have work tomorrow. I don't care. You know, whatever. I will go get you. Mm-hmm. But I've had to limit that because people also have a tendency to take advantage of those qualities yeah. in others. To where, you know, oh, you're so reliable and you're so giving. Uh, Can you come do this favor for me? And I'll never, ever, ever do anything for you ever and also waste your time. And normally I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Things are thinking of me. But I can't do that anymore. It's disrespectful to myself, to my time, to the things that I need to get done. And, you know, it's been really, really helpful, I think, in, in teaching me to see myself as a person of value, not just as someone who gives Things of value to other people. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a, that's a really positive trait of powerlifting is that sense that you build relationships with other people and you kind of have this common interest now with those people. Mm-hmm. And you could it is a it is a social and emotional um positive thing that's going to happen to people because I, I I would I would actually put myself in the same category in a way. Like, his, I mean, I'm far gone from high school now, but even during college, like, I never had a large group of friends, even in high school, we playing sports, I never felt like I fit in with that community. Like, I love sports, I love, you know, playing sports with them, but like, once we got out of the sport world, and then we would hang out, be like, I don't have anything in common with you motherfuckers, aside from we play football yeah. together. Like, we play football and baseball, and if the conversation turns to football and baseball, like yeah, I can have a conversation with you guys. But then after that, it's like, I'm not, like, I don't fucking get you guys. Like, I don't, I don't understand things. And it made me, I guess, a little bit more of an outcast throughout the time, especially in college. Like, then I knew people with no interests of mine. Um, like, very few people I was friends with. But I was same, same as you, um, history, well, social science major with an emphasis in history. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a very small group. Like, yeah. there's only, like, two people. And that was, I guess they were my friends, but it was like two people and my school because it wasn't a lot. And But once I got into powerlifting, and I alluded to this earlier in the show, is all my friends are now powerlifters. If yeah. I'm going out to a bar, if I'm going out to a restaurant, it's going to be with my powerlifting buddies. And I find myself, I could talk to them about powerlifting, but we grew in a relationship so much that I could talk about, about other shit. I could talk about politics yeah. with them. I could talk about sports with them. I could talk about a whole lot of things where that wasn't always the case throughout my life and I would have powerlifting to think about that especially with getting more deeper into the sport talking to way more people like just learning just I mean I guess it's learning more about human interaction like powerlifting has been huge in that regard so I could totally understand where you're coming from on that and especially with the you know the healthy relationship that you're having with yourself as far as just confidence goes yeah, that's and um, powerlifting will do that to you. It would it will make you more confident in certain aspects because if you really come to think about how you're able to balance your current professional career with school and then couple that with being a really good powerlifter, it's like okay, I could do a whole lot of other things in my life. I could balance things. I know this now. I know this with getting into the sport. I know I can actually do the tough things in life because I've had practice with it with being almost, in a sense, a professional, you know, powerlifter, uh-huh. like, I know there's a whole lot of definitions on what being a professional is, but if you're spending that long in the gym and you're performing at that level, you're a professional. That's You You know your shit, you know what you're fucking doing. Um, and that's what a professional is. And doing that, as far as another, and then balancing that with another professional career is, is something that people shouldn't lose sight of. Like, if you lose sight of that, then like you really got to you got to take a step back and look about what you can accomplish just in life in general based on your performances as a powerlifter. Yeah. So then let me ask you what is one thing you would, you know, change about the sport of powerlifting. If we got through the positives, let's go into some of the negatives here. I I always ask this. It's a very broad question, so it could be as far as like culture, atmosphere, rules, like, what is something you would mm-hmm. change about it?
1: Um, okay, honestly, I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion or a popular opinion. We're all I about hot takes. Fair. We're,
0: we're all about hot takes on two white lights.
1: I think the rules are fair. Okay. I don't think they're... Uh, okay, look, let, let me let me add a little asterisk, a little caveat here. Uh, I am not... I don't have the rule book memorized front to back. I can't... There's probably some bullshit in there somewhere. But I think that the rules are fair, okay. and I think that you know squat to depth, pause your bench, don't have soft knees. Look, if I see a soft knee deadlift, it's gonna be like it's like I'm, I'm gonna like hide my face and turn my head. I'm like don't I, you don't see it? It's not happening.
0: I just tell people. I'm like <laughs> uh, I'm like uh, your knees could I'm like your soft your knees are a bit soft and your shoulders are leaning forward a little bit.
1: Yeah, I'm, like, the least confrontational person. Someone actually came up to me in the gym the other day. I, like, so I, I have this massive bitch face when I'm in the gym because I'm, like, don't talk to me. Like, yeah. I'm doing something right now. If you're my friend, you know that that bitch face is completely a front, and I I will socialize with you uh, forever. Yeah. But, you know, it's, like, I have to get in the... Okay, so I, I like listening to, like, the, the trash female rap. Like, I'm, like, I'm a bad bitch. Like, you can't kill me. <laughs> and i <I'm> like... <laughs> it's kind of how i like to walk around the gym and you know i guess my face kind of reflects that because i walked past this guy and he looked at me so i like smiled at him because i like to think that i'm a sociable person most of the time and he looked at me and he was like you seem so nice on the internet but in person you look so mean and i was like okay thanks for that sorry so I, like, shook his hand and introduced myself because I was
0: like, sorry I'm out here looking, like, cold-hearted. I've gotten it on the but. Q&A recently. Someone from my gym said, why do you always look pissed off at the gym? And it's a very – I guess it's almost the opposite for me because I think on first impression people think I'm very nice. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't know. I've been getting a lot of – because my girlfriend said – yeah. So a little personal information for you guys. My girlfriend for, like, our my first month dating her she's like, do you ever smile? like you look pissed off. It's like do you ever do you have a sense of humor? And then now like we've been dating for a very long time and then she's like yeah, you're a fucking goofball. You're you know, it's like that's what you you're just like a, a goof and you're always saying some dumb shit, like some really zany jokes. But then at the I I've gotten like the thing like oh, you're such a friendly guy. You're so nice. You're too nice to people. But then I'm like, I'm not. I'm like, there's a lot of the, and the reputation build. Like once they get to know me, it's like, oh, you're kind of a prick. You're kind of a jerk, um, especially on the internet. But in person, you could be rather confrontational and mean. But I got that Q and A recently of why do you look pissed off at the gym? And it's like I'm I'm literally trying to work out, dude. Like yeah. I look pissed off. I'm not pissed off. I'm focused, and I don't want to talk to you. Like and I'm and I'm not yeah. I'm not being. You know, I'm not just saying that. I do not want to talk to you, especially now, because I don't think you should be in the gym for three fucking hours talking when we're trying to limit the amount of people in a goddamn gym. <laughs> like, like especially now, it's like, no, get your shit and leave. And if I see you talking and shooting the breeze and, you know, fucking distracting other people, yeah, I'm going to make sure I don't talk to you because I don't think you yeah. should do that. In general, I don't think you should be talking to other people, and wasting gym time, because under normal circumstances, I don't give a shit, but now we're in a weird thing where we're trying to limit social interaction with people and social distancing and all that stuff, like, yeah, I don't want to lose the, lose the fucking gym, because yeah. you, like, because yeah. you fucking up everything, like, this is my thing, if you fuck it up for me, like, this is, I'm gonna blame you, I'm going to blame you for it. Yeah. but um, I feel like
1: part of it for me is Most of the powerlifters who go to the shop, like, I have a relationship with. So they know, like, when to talk to me and when not to talk to me. The
0: shop used to be a pretty USAPL-friendly gym.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, you get a lot of people, though. Like, you get USAPL, and you get a lot of, like, equipped guys, too, in there.
0: My gym, I think, I love surgery Levels. My favorite, I mean, I think it's the best gym in America, or possibly the world. I fucking love the place. (laughs) The USAPL presence, though, of, like, me training with USAPL guys and girls is very slim. There's not a whole lot. And I think if there was more people who train in the USAPL, I think, one, I could work in with them more efficiently and not have that, like, almost a, I don't want to use, I hate this word, but a, a confrontational identity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If I if it was more USAPL people to like, okay, I know what he's trying to do. Like I know what's going on. I could work in with that person, have a good conversation with that person and still get your shit in and go. Like a good yeah. solid 2-hour workout, 2 to 3-hour workout with that person, but with the amount of other people in different federations doing completely different things with me, then I think that's where it, I might look pissed off and outcasty, if you will.
1: Yeah. So, and, like, that's one of the things that I'm really thankful for is that there are so many USAPL lifters who, like, are in my age bracket at my gym. So, like, that's been a big source of, you know, social time for me. Yeah. But also, it's, like, a lot of the gym bros who would, I feel like, be the kind of person to go up to a woman in the gym and be, like, Hey, pretty lady. Like, those kinds of people. I feel like I scare the shit out of them. That's good. Which is kind of hilarious. Yeah, that's, that's pretty, that's 5'2". I'm, like, a small human being. And I just walk around looking pissed off. You know that picture? of uh, it's, it's, it's the Tom and Jerry screen cap. Yeah. Uh, and, uh,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, just, like, storming around. I'm like, that's what I look like. <laughs> but I feel like it's effective enough to where it's, it's kind of that... Thro- I don't see myself as particularly intimidating, but I've heard that I am from whom, you know, I i digress, but, you know, I feel like maybe I, I emulate a little bit of that intimidation factor that keeps people from talking to me, which is a good thing. Cause it's like for me to lift, like I, okay. So I do the whole shout thing, which I feel like has become its own little thing, which mm-hmm. cause now my friends all tease me for it. They'll they'll mock me and I'm like, you know, what eat a whole butt, but whatever, so it's, like, to me, that comes from a very, very, like, raw emotional place. So it's, like, people will tell me that I look like I'm going to cry right before I lift, which is true, because I am about to cry right before I lift. So, you know, I feel like that also helps generate that that space. Uh, people who know me know that I'm not actually going to cry, versus people who are, you know, thinking, this girl's got some damage. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So, so then, would there be ever change, Because I mean, with the rules, you say you wouldn't change anything with the rules, which I think most people would agree that the rules are pretty cut and dry. Um, there, there are some that I guess people would disagree with, which is appropriate. But I would say it's a pretty popular opinion that everyone is like, all right, you know, squat like the squat depth is good. Um, mm-hmm. You know the the you know the strict calls. Is there anything like as far as a culture change you would like to see in powerlifting?
1: It would be super super awesome if really shitty people stopped getting so much attention Hmm. that's one thing that i just it kind of drives me crazy because i don't want to see it and because for whatever reason people love the drama they love the shit talking they love you know shitty people just starting shit you know it, it gets put out everywhere and it's like, I don't want to see the negativity. I feel like it gives a sport a bad rep because you just see like immature kids because that's what they are. They're immature children talking shit out their mouth and then having absolutely zero follow through. And, you know, people are interested in sports. I feel like, and I'm not a big sport person, so I can't really say this for a fact because I don't really watch sports, but I feel like people are interested in sports because they want to see the follow through. Yeah. Like, nobody wants to hear all the shit talk, and then there's no follow-through. It's like, and I don't want to name-drop anybody, because I really, like, I don't want the drama. I'm not a fan of it. Um, but there's a certain conventional deadlifter who gets, uh, or has been in the past, frequently posted on King of the Lifts, uh, who is this? basically strictly a deadlifter. Do you know who I'm talking about? David Carden? Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this shit yeah, drives me I'm, fucking I, yeah, you, nuts.
0: Um, yeah, um, well, the good thing is if you shit talk him, he probably won't DM you telling you that you're cute. And just wanted to make sure all the cute girls <laughs> were on his side, because he has done that in the past. Um, yeah, I make fun of Evan Cardon um, at will at the show, so I guess uh, okay, I, can, cool. I can bleep <laughs> out you saying him, but I've talked you know, all tor- sorts of shit about him, but yeah. Um, I would agree in that circumstance, like, stop giving clout lifters the clout that they don't deserve, because I was looking at King of the Lifts, I made made fun of him when I did my podcast with them, because I was like, I'm like, really, when you come to think about it, like, the one thing he's good at, he's not really good at that thing, because I'm like, I'm a technically better 93 kg deadlifter than him.
2: Mm-hmm. And I'm 83
0: kilos. I'm like, I'm better at that. I'm like, he's not, I'm like, he's really not even that good of a deadlifter. He's like ranked 50th all time with his 700 pound deadlift that he has in comp. And I'm like, he's not a good fucking lifter to even.
1: The, and there's, there's the tongue <laughs> sticking out thing that, that makes that my good. skin
0: crawl. I'm
1: like, <laughs> Like, it's a very visceral response, and it makes me want to die. Yeah, and you know what? I
0: don't know if he's necessarily – I think he's just dumb, quote-unquote dumb. Um, I don't know if he's a shitty person. I would agree with you that there are shitty people in the sport who get attention, and no one wants to call them out, which he's gotten called out at will. So he has paid the piper, <laughs> which
1: I just <laughs> – I actually
0: right. don't think he cares. That That's actually the thing, which is – I'm almost envious, because he talks yeah, about kinda it. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Yeah, he talks about it, yeah, but it seems like it doesn't get to him, like, hey, man, I'm like, at a point, you gotta be like, alright, you know, this is just, I think you're just a goof, and at a point, you get this weird sort of respect for that person, <laughs> because, like, yeah. you're a goof, you're a clown, but you really just, you don't care, you just keep doing it, and you're not doing anything totally damaging, everyone knows that you just want clout. Um, he has been guilty of going in girls' DMs and sending, like, some weird, creepy shit, so you've saved yourself from that, Dude. which is good. But, um, nothing bad, nothing as far as, like, super inappropriate. He just goes in the girls' DMs, shoots his shot, and gets rejected, it seems like most of the time. <laughs> but,
1: yeah. But, Dude, my DMs, I have my, so I turn my message requests off for a hot minute, and then I turn them back on just because it's exceptionally entertaining. People say the most wild shit. I'm like, you know I read this, right? <laughs> I'm like, you know, I see what you said to me. Oh yeah, me. I mean,
0: if, if I'm like, if I don't open your message, there's a good chance I screenshot it and then send it into someone's DMs or like one of my group chats. I'm like, yo, check out this fucking clown. <laughs> Look <laughs> yeah, at this that guy. Ends. Look at this guy trying to shit talk me on the DMs.
1: Dude, and I'll post that shit on my story. So it's like, okay, I think one of the nice things about being a female lifter, because I feel like guys are guys, y'all shit talk each other, and it's like a thing. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. We I with women.
1: I, there's none of that. Like, I have never looked at another 63 and been like, hey, yo, square the fuck up. Like, it's, that's yeah, not and, how yeah,
0: it goes. Yeah, if I'm... I always say this. I'm like, if, as far as guys go, if you're not trying to ruin your friend's day at least once, you're a shitty friend. <laughs> you're just you're not truly a friend with that guy. Because, yeah, that's what we, we are constantly mean to each other. But that's, like, the way that we are nice to each other in a way that's like the relationship is building if we are just making fun of the little the smallest things about each other like Mm -hmm. hey angelo you got forehead wrinkles you look like a fucking old man you're aging terribly and then i'll be like yeah your fucking forehead's big and you're balding like we and that's the way we communicate with each other but yeah with females i know it's a bit different but um but if, if a random dude DMs me shit-talking me, I'm like, dude, we're not fucking friends. Like, you, you we can't... Yeah. We don't have that relationship where you could uh, make fun of me through social media. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess well
1: in Well, some sometimes I feel like people mean that shit, and I'm like, who's spitting your coffee this morning to where you felt obligated... Well, it's boredom.
0: That's the thing. Yeah. It is bored. Like, I do see it is... people, I can always see... The genuine shit talk, which I don't get really any of that, like, a random person just shit talking to me randomly really never happens, maybe once or twice in my, all my years on social media, but when someone DMs me, is like, you're a fucking pussy who deadlifts sumo, I'll be like, dude, that's not even, I know you're, I know you're just bored right now, like, I, yeah. um, I bet, I bet, I, yeah, I bet you're gay, like, all right, <laughs> Like, I don't, cool. like, this isn't, like, if you, I could tell, like, this is just a troll account who's just trying to do something, um, and it's not genuine, but mm-hmm. I've rarely got genuine shit talk, and that's from my very close personal friends, who I care deeply for. Yeah. That's <laughs> a genuine shit talk.
1: I get so sensitive, too, and, like, I hate this about myself sometimes, like, I'm really, really thankful for it, because I feel like it gives me this capacity to empathize and be authentic with people. Bro, if someone comments some mean shit on my stuff, I really gotta like, I gotta take a step back and
0: sniffle a little bit. And I'm like, I'm oh, sorry. Oh, well, my—I mean, my favorite thing is that when people do that, it's like, all right, yeah. I get to have fun today with this person. <laughs> like, I get to—I yeah, get, I to, get to get my boredom out of the way by just saying really sarcastic things, and then see how it escalates from there with like other people joining <laughs> in on it. It's I mean, is it petty? Absolutely. But, whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the only time I really like to engage with internet trolls is when they comment on, like, my friends' stuff. Yeah. So it's like, one of my friends posted a picture, and this guy commented something along the lines of, like, hoping for a booty angle, and this guy uh, said, uh, you know, drink some Gatorade, you're thirsty, to which he replied, he said, sounds like you're lacking some testosterone. And then I jumped in, and I said, sounds like you're lacking some IRL pussy, Ooh, but... Nice. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, um, that's, that's so that's one. the only time I really engage, is if I'm like, I'm just gonna... And then dip.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. But, yeah, I would say the culture in powerlifting can be that way. I I, yeah. I, did, I did make several posts about giving lifters undeserved clout, and I think that has happened. But, yeah, giving... Um, Giving shitty people a platform um, can't... But I, I would go even, like, sometimes deeper. It's, like, people who are perceived as good. And I can't really... I, like, I really won't dive too deep on this. Because I think I have talked about it before. But, like, people who are perceived to be, oh, such a role model. And then it's, like, I know that person, and they really fucking suck. <laughs> like,
2: I... Yeah. And I
0: have to say silent because I'm, like, if I don't say anything, or if I do say something... Then it's this whole you know drama shit that I don't care about. Like that person doesn't affect me in the way I can compete. Uh-huh. And I mean, if they did have like some sort of influence on my life, then I might go on my podcast or might get my hot takes going. But um, if it's if it's just for the sake of calling someone out, I have to stay silent. But there's points to me. I'm like, oh, it's like. It's cringy when I see, like, a repost of this certain person, like, oh my god, what an inspiration. I'm like, no, no, they're not an inspiration. I know what they do, like, in person and even on social media, and they fucking suck.
2: And yeah. they just
0: suck, and I don't like them. <laughs> yeah. And they're conning no, and 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 people to think, like, they're awesome. It's like, ah, shit, I gotta stay silent. Gotta say silent on this.
1: Because it's not worth the drama.
0: It isn't. And
1: that's something that I've recently come to terms with because my i feel like i don't particularly have an exceptionally massive following on instagram but i would say that it is beginning to become slightly sizable it's getting that you're close to 10k i am which is a very odd concept to me um that 10k people care about the things that i do in my life yeah um but it's just it's not worth the drama so a lot of times you know it, it it Consists of being more conscientious too of the things that you post that are personal. And I, I, so I'm really transparent, I feel like, or at least I try to be, but it's, I'm never gonna post where I work. I'm never gonna post like, oh, I'm going to the gym at this time because you just, you can't trust people, mm-hmm. first of all. And, you know, I feel like a lot of us started Instagram as sort of a way, so training logs. And then also like for our friends. Mm -hmm. And once you start to amass, you know, people who are outside of that friend group, you have to be more considerate of the things that you put out on your social media because it it can and will be thrown back in your face. If someone's got a problem with it, they're going to be like, hey, you said this, what the fuck's up? And personally, I'm always gonna own up to everything I've said. Have I said dumb shit? Absolutely. If yeah. you come up to me and say you said some dumb shit, I'll be like, I did say that. And I'll say it with my chest, like. And you you have to have that if you're gonna if you're gonna use your Instagram as a platform in any way, shape, or form, whether it's to shit talk other people or post your clout lifts or whatever. You know, you can't. If people call you out on it, you can't run from it. You got to, you got to, you got to save that
0: shit with your chest, you know? Yep. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, all right. Segment time. Now, we've done this once. It worked out pretty well. I like it. I think I'm going to keep it on two white lights. White light, red light. I'm going to give you a word or a phrase or something, and you have to white light it, as in it's good, very apropos to powerlifting, or red light it if you think it's bad. So, we'll start off easy. USAPL. Oh, white light. IPF. White
1: light, squat. White light,
0: <laughs> bench. Red light. <laughs> that that I'm I'm assuming I'm gonna get more common red lights for bench because people don't like the bench press. Deadlift. It
1: hurts.
0: <laughs> White light. Um, Instagram. White light. Any any would that red be red lighted at any time?
1: Instagram. Yeah. When people are IRL out of pocket, yeah. when people don't know how to behave, and their mother needs to come take away their cellular device, is when Instagram is red light.
0: Yeah, I could. I'm. I'm interested if I continue this. Who would Who would red light Instagram? Because I could see some people doing that. Um. USPA.
1: I feel like i don't have enough of uh, enough knowledge or experience about the uspa to like really have an opinion i feel like for a lot of people it's a good place to start i know a lot of friends who have started uspa because they were scared about how competitive usapl is okay all right. orange light
0: <laughs> all right yeah i would i was assuming you would be a little bit on the fence on that one um yeah d- being new to the sport i guess but all right that's fair um bodybuilding
1: Okay.
0: I could I see that. I could see getting a red Why red lighted?
1: For me, personally, okay, so I have a lot of respect for bodybuilders and what they do. I could never. Um, I feel like, at least in my experience and knowledge of, you know, like, with my friends who have done it, it creates and fosters a very unhealthy connection between your mental state and your physical presence, which I'm not a big fan of.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I've got. I think I've said this just in conversations before. Where um, it was actually a Lane Orrin video where he talked about like unhealthy relationship with food and eating disorders. Mm-hmm. And then he kind he almost contradicted himself because he was like, "Well, I track and keep a mental note on what I eat during Thanksgiving, you know, so I don't go too over my macros." And then I'm like, "Isn't that an eating disorder?" In yeah, way, like that's not how you eat in an orderly way yeah your macros and making sure like i'm not gonna have this piece of ham even though i'm not full but i know i'm gonna go i'm like that's that's an eating disorder
2: yeah (laughs) because i mean there's a time and place to suspend
0: macros yeah i'm like it's not unhealthy if you have extra piece of you know stuffing or like an extra plate like it's really not it's not going to fuck up your life (laughs) So yeah. that to me is, an eat- and I say like, I'm like bodybuilders in the sense of that you compete in bodybuilding, you have an eating disorder that is an eating disorder. Like you, like trying to get peeled to 6% body fat and not eating to a point where you're over 13% body fat is an eating disorder because you're perfectly healthy if you're over 15% body fat. So, yeah, and, um, but then my hot take is I don't know if eating disorders can be necessarily the worst thing in the world. Like, it's manageable, that yeah. eating disorder, so I don't know. But, yeah, I always got in this conversation, I'm like, um, I think that the uh, the dark little secret is everyone in that sport has an eating disorder. <laughs> and, and I don't know if that should be promoted. But um, I think that's going to do it for White Light, Red Light. Okay. Good job. Um, Thank you for, <laughs> Thanks. Coming. Yeah, thank you for coming on Two White Lights. Love to have you on again sometime.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: No problem. Uh, good luck to everything. Good luck to the next meet that you're doing. And uh, would like to see you continue rise in the rankings. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Peace.